What's going on, everybody? Alpha Tau here. A L P H A T A V is in Victor.net. Alpha Tau.net. Of course, a little bit of a play on the words there. Two letters, one from the Greek, one from the Hebrew. Tau being the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and alpha being the first of the Greek alphabet. Uh, the dissonance is there to catch your attention if you are familiar with those characters. Of course, it would have been Aleph Tau, beginning and the end, first and the last. But a little play on words there, Alpha Tau. Glad you're with us today. Got an exciting, quick little conversation to have with you about a donkey. Well, let's get started. Right. So today, I've got a great question for all of you that are tuned in that are checking out our third podcast episode. This is the very first that is being recorded. And again, this is done uh, strictly uh, by yours truly. Uh, no help in the background, no fancy cameras, uh, really not a lot of anything fancy, but just us, the Word of God. And uh, I think that's important. If you have not had a chance to uh, go to the website, alphatau.net, would encourage you to go there. We've got a lot of great stuff available up there. You'll notice that if you get there, we have a biblical exegesis uh, uh, tab. We've got an academic tab. We've got books that are worthy to read. Uh, so these are pretty in-depth book reviews to help you add to your book reading list. Uh, for the year. And then we've got our general blog. This is more cultural, uh, deals with just a wide array of ideas and, and concepts. And the latest one that just went up today was um, basically in the pulpit, uh, redeeming, um, redeeming, boy, I can't remember the title of the blog that I just put up today. Let me take a quick look. It's an elevated pulpit, redeeming truth from the cult of self. And uh, just a little uh, disclaimer that's there. I put there an ex excerpt of that article. It says, as a note to fellow preachers, we must hold each other accountable to a standard that is consistent for even our closest friends. When we veer from exegesis to eisegesis, we must hold each other accountable for the sake of our most sacred text. Our conferences must not become harbingers of hazy hermeneutics where the benchmark for biblical expectation is lowered for the price of enthusiasm alone. So you don't want to miss that one. Uh, really, it tags uh, the symposium presentation that I did in 2019 up in Spokane, Washington, talking about rescuing or addressing uh, biblical illiteracy in the church. In one of the Q&As that came up, Dr. Daniel Blash asked a question, and out of that question came the response. And uh, I would absolutely recommend reading that. I also put that symposium episode on the podcast. So go take a listen. I think you'll find it informative, and I think that the answers given there are very helpful to addressing biblical illiteracy in the day that we live in. And so uh, that aside... 
I want to take a, uh, I want to just ask you, um, starting this off right where you are, what do we know about the donkey that Jesus came riding in on? Um, really important conversation. We've heard a lot of sermons about the donkey and uh, Palm Sunday is rapidly approaching. We're already here March 11th and I believe April 2nd this year. Uh, we're going to be uh, celebrating Palm Sunday. And with Palm Sunday, there's a lot of sermons, lessons, and mentions that revolve around several passages of Scripture within the Gospels. And of course, when you take all these Scriptures together, they all reference what is commonly referred to as the triumphal entry of Christ. And so John 12, let's kind of read through the different gospel texts that deal with this triumphal entry of Christ, starting with John 12 and 14. And I read out of the King James Version in Jesus, when he had found a young ass sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. Matthew 21, verse number 1. Let's start there. It's another telling of this triumphal entry. And it says, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethphage, under the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied, and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught to you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which, the, which was spoken by the prophets, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the foal of an ass. The disciples went, did as Jesus commanded, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And that's where we have the following great multitude spreading their garments in the way. Mark 11, 1 through 10. Won't read it all, but again, it goes into uh, the scripture there. Again, it says that Jesus says, You're going to go find a colt tied wherein never man sat, loose him, bring him. And uh, just tell them the Lord hath need of him. And so that one is dealing more with the commandment to go get it rather than the prophecy connecting to it. Even though at the end of Mark uh, chapter 11, it tells us, Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord Hosanna and highest. So there are the, 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 uh, the admiration being thrown in his way has a lot to do with prophecy. Luke 19.28 and when he had thus spoken, he went before, ascending up to Jerusalem. It came to pass. Again, we got the same exact story. The Lord has need of him. And when he comes there, it says they begin to shout with a loud, word, loud, loud voice. Verse 8, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So uh, reading all of those very quickly, in a nutshell, we basically have the essential story of the events leading up to and encompassing the story of the triumphal entry of Christ. However, when we look at this story, there's one facet that is often most misunderstood, and that is the donkey that Jesus came riding 
into Jerusalem upon. Now, now, mind you, I'm not here to talk about the supposed contradictions between the Gospels that a lot of times secularists attempt to utilize to invalidate historical events of Christ's journey into Jerusalem. And, and maybe we'll address those in another episode because I think they're important to address the skeptics. Everybody said the skeptics. But, but what I do want to do is I want to discuss the donkey's misunderstood aspect as it relates in particular to the triumphal entry of Christ. Now, by misunderstood, I mean that the donkey idea is typically associated with a faulty application or the idea itself, the way that it's been presented is too often uh, unsupported by Scripture. And let me just tell you, the most common misapplication of the donkey as it relates to the story that I just brought you through in the Gospels, it's, it's typically found in an attempt to connect to modern connotations of lowly with Christ's position upon the donkey. Now, where does this idea of the donkey equaling lowly, thus signifying the lowliness of Christ because of the donkey, where does it originate from? I think most people take that directly from Zechariah 9 and 9. Why don't we read that together? It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. So, so here... Zechariah is envisioning an eschatological, an end-time figure of Israel's anticipated king. And so according to Zechariah, the king, who we know because we have that backwards momentum from the top-down view, we know it's Jesus Christ. The king here in Zechariah is marked by being just and having salvation. And according to the text, he would come lowly, riding upon a donkey and a colt, the donkey's full. So the first mistake that we make with this scripture is that we immediately connect our idea of lowly with the action of riding upon a donkey. In other words, what we end up doing is we say what scripture does not say. You see, the more that you study, and this is important to understand because, again, when, when we exegete Scripture, we've got to make sure that the context is determining the meaning. Um, when, when, when we talk about riding a donkey, nothing about riding a donkey caused a, quote, lowly, unquote, effect. No. Remember that Christ, in Philippians 2, 7, made himself of no reputation. And according to that text, it said he took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So from an eschatological standpoint, from an end time standpoint, Christ was the suffering servant. Go read uh, the servant songs of Isaiah 53. It qualifies the suffering servant. And so Christ, as the suffering servant, it, it, was, it was 
from that eschatological standpoint that through his redemptive humiliation, he would bring salvation to the world. This is the lowly of Zechariah 9 and 9, not the act of riding the donkey. And so we got to get this. This is very important when we, when we exegete this passage. The act of riding the donkey was not what caused him to be lowly. He had already made himself of no reputation. He had already took upon himself the form of servant. He was going to be through the obedience of the death of the cross. It was that, that lowliness that he had, that suffering servant, that would lend to and lead to salvation. And so the act of riding the donkey, contrary to what uh, some people say, many people say, that is not what made him lowly. In fact, I'm going to submit to you that the donkey meant something entirely different. Let's look at Zechariah 9.9 as it connects to Genesis 49 and 11. Let's read that together. Genesis 49.11 says, Binding his foal unto the vine, and his ass's colt unto the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. So here in Genesis 49.11, the imagery of 49 and 10 and and 9 and 9 of Zechariah, they allude to an eschatological ruler, Jesus Christ that we know, that was going to bring peace. So this fundamental idea of peace is something that needs to be considered when we talk about Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the donkey. So donkeys within the context of ancient Near Eastern culture were symbols of peace. And oftentimes you would find them uh, being used as official envoys of nobility or those who served uh, within the scope of judicial liaisons. So one source, the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, says that the donkey, quote, is associated throughout the Bible with peaceful pursuits. See Genesis 42, 26, Genesis 22, 3, 1 Samuel 16, 20, 2 Samuel 19, 26, and Nehemiah 13, 15. Whereas it goes on to say, and I quote, the horse is referred to in connection with war and with armies. So according to the ISBE, which is a very reputable conservative dictionary or encyclopedia of the Bible, the donkey is used as a symbol of peaceful pursuit. Let's read out of New Unger's Bible Dictionary, and I quote, Donkeys are spoken of in connection with the history of Pharaoh, Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Balaam, and in fact, most of the notable persons mentioned in the Old Testament. There was nothing in any sense degrading in the idea of riding on a donkey, as might perhaps be inferred from Zechariah 9.9. No, it was the sign of a peaceful mission of Christ. Kings, high priests, judges, and the richest people of ancient modern times have ridden on donkeys. Many of the donkeys of Damascus, Baghdad, Aleppo, Cairo, Cyprus, and other parts of the East are beautiful animals, easy in gait, and perfectly sure-footed. And they often cost high prices and were adorned with magnificent trappings. So with this in mind, I'm presenting to us that the donkey that we present, we oftentimes take from Zechariah 9 and 9, and we take that word lowly 
of the of the suffering servant that was riding lowly on the back of a donkey, it does not necessarily mean that the donkey itself made him lowly. And I'm submitting it does something entirely different. And I believe it points to the peace that is being brought by the king or the prince of peace. And so our idea uh, of, a, of a donkey is completely misunderstood during the events on Palm Sunday. Uh, the Dictionary of Biblical Imagery says it this way, we must take care not to read our own attitudes towards the donkey into the biblical materials. In Christian tradition, the donkey is a symbol of absurdity, uh, the motif of the ass musician and obstinacy, as well as the mount of the demon of sloth and the red donkey becomes a figure of Satan. But respected rabbis rode donkeys. Furthermore, Ugaritic sources depict deities on the backs of donkeys. Islamic tradition calls several heroes donkey riders, and the early Christian tale of Vita Sancte Pelagie Meter, I can't even say the last word there, presents as the apex of beauty and sensuality a woman riding on a donkey. Clearly, this, this uh, dictionary goes on to say, clearly attitudes have differed from place to place and time to time. Not all have consistently thought the donkey perverse, Plato, or, quote, the meanest of an animals, Felix. In the Bible, the donkey is a beast of burden. It is a plower of fields. But its main function is as a vehicle for rich and poor alike. Despite its widespread use by all, the donkey and the mule were also evidently a staple of ancient Near Eastern royal ceremony. In 1 Kings 133-44, Solomon rides David's mule to Gihon to the anointed king. Riding on a donkey for ceremonial entry into a city is already an act of kingship in the royal archives of Mari. And in the old Sumerian text, Gilgamesh and Aga, the sons of kings ride donkeys. So, all that being said, it is this royal association with donkeys that is behind the imagery of Zechariah 9 and 9. And it's the same imagery that is envisioned upon the triumphal entry of Christ into the city. Jesus is, quote, the Prince of Peace, according to Isaiah 9 and 6, who came in, according to John 14, 27, Matthew eleven twenty nine, five 5 and 3 and 5 and 5, he came in, the Prince of Peace came in to usher in a kingdom of peace. Now, while there's many things happening when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, one of the fundamental aspects of the event was that Christ was showing what kind of king he was and what kind of kingdom he sought to enact within the world. So the donkey as we move towards Palm Sunday, hopefully we can redeem the donkey. The donkey, while an element of an eschatological prophecy, it served to present the people with a symbol of peace. Christ is the, quote, very God of peace, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, who promised, quote, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, unquote, which we know as apostolics, is a direct allusion to the future outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Remember, the Spirit was even likened to a dove in Matthew 3.16, which most people know served as a symbol of peace. 
And so when Jesus came riding into Jerusalem, as we move towards Palm Sunday and talk about the donkey that he rode upon, he came riding in as the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, whose purpose was to usher in the kingdom of priests. You see, the donkey, it only sought to establish an eschatological end-time vision of peace, not to identify with poverty, neediness, or loneliness. In closing on this, let me present to you a personal note of application. This should cause you and I to reconsider our approach to bringing the kingdom of God into our cities, suburbs, and rural areas. How many times have you heard men that talk about the war that they're at with the, with the commissioners and the people of their city? You know what? We have too many men riding into the mission of God upon war steeds of opposition and anger, declaring war against the very cities we are meant to reach and to save. What does the Bible say God gave us? He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. Yeah, let's declare war against the devil. But remember, it is peace that we preach when we preach the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is, quote, righteousness, peace, and joy. And so as Jesus came riding in lowly in the fact that he took upon himself the form of a servant, was found in the fashion of man, he came riding in on a vehicle and a symbol that, 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 that told everybody, I come to bring peace. Well, what do we do with the scripture that says, where he says, I come not to bring peace, but the sword? Yes, there is going to be a conflict and a confrontation. We'll talk about that another time. But the very purpose and mission of his ministry was at Calvary. He was going to present a reconciliation. He was going to be an advocate with the Father. And when the accuser, the brethren, stood up, we have an advocate with the Father. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. And so when Jesus was dying upon the cross, he made the statement, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I don't have time to get into it, but what he was actually doing there was making us uh, qualify for involuntary manslaughter. There's a lot of allusions to that. We knew exactly what we were doing. They were killing him. They knew what they were doing, but he said they did not know what they were doing. Involuntary manslaughter allowed you to flee to a city of refuge and in a city of refuge find a place to where you could have an advocate speak for you and get out from underneath the revenger of blood. And so what does the words of Jeremiah 29 and 7 say? We also should ride in on the donkey because it says, seek the peace of the city. Folks, I hope that helped you. I hope it was a great blessing to each of you. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a five-star review. Tell somebody about this podcast and others that we begin to present. Again, it's great to be with you. I'm excited about the content coming. All of this helps me scratch an itch of things that God has laid into my spirit that I love to get out there and just talk about the Word of God. I hope you enjoyed. I was blessed to be a part of it. Until next time, like, subscribe, and share. God bless you. Mm-hmm.